Big Happy Life, episode 11. I'm your host, Natalie Britt, and this week we're talking about making decisions. On the back of the belief series, a couple of you got in touch to ask questions about beliefs and how they work in terms of decision making. And so I thought it might be a good follow up to talk about some of the psychology around decision making and some of the ways that you can actually make the process that little bit easier, almost freeing your mind from those worries of making bad decisions. So in this episode, I'll share with you a couple of cognitive biases that make decision-making harder, and also some of the things that affect us after the decisions made, such as the hindsight bias. Once you become aware of these things, it can make the process of decision-making that little bit easier because it frees you from that feeling that there is such a thing as a good or bad choice in every case, when more often than not, that ends up being a fallacy. So I'll start there, because this feeling of good or bad or all or nothing, has a name in psychology. It's called splitting. And splitting refers to the difficulty we have in understanding something when it has both good and bad elements associated with it. It's much easier for us to see something as all good or all bad. Although splitting usually refers to our understanding of people and things, I think it applies quite well to decisions as well, since more often than not, we're making decisions about people and things. Certainly in my experience, there's always that feeling that one of the options is a good one and one of the options is a bad one, and it's up to you to figure out which. But very often that's not the case. They might be equally good or equally bad options, or it doesn't actually matter which option you pick, it matters what you do after you pick the option. Let's take a look at a quick example. Let's say you're in full-time employment, but you want to start your own business. And you have to choose, are you going to leave your job and work on the business, or are you going to stay at work and work on the business in the evenings after you finish? So this is one of those cases where neither of the options is either good or bad. They could both work. It matters what you do, not what you choose. So let's say you decide to stay in the job, and you're going to work in the evenings to get the business off the ground. But then when you get home at night, you're really, really tired. You want to spend some time with your kids, and... Before you know it, months have passed and you haven't done anything. It's easy to think you made the wrong choice, but what's really happened is you've taken the wrong actions. On the other hand, let's say you chose to leave the job and go full-time working on your new business. But you're so stressed and panicked about money that you keep spending time looking on LinkedIn and looking at various job adverts doing the type of work you used to in the past because a part of you is going, oh my God, where's the money going to come from? So your attention's divided, you still don't focus fully on the business, and before you know it, the nest egg that you built up has run out and it's time to go and find another job because you've decided actually this was the wrong choice and the business isn't going to work. Neither case is about the wrong or the right decision, it's only about the actions that follow it. And I think that's the key thing with decision making. It's often vital in complicated situations like that to let go of the feeling that there's a good and a bad option and rather take a problem-solving approach or a yes-if approach, which basically means going, yes, this option could work if certain things happen, and then planning for those. So the key thing here is that the choice is step one. It's not the end of the game, it's the beginning. And one of the biggest problems we have with decision-making is we put so much weight on the decision and so little weight on the actions we take after the decision. And that's partly why we have this belief that we've made good or bad choices rather than taken good or bad actions to support the choices we've made. The next thing I think that muddies the water is how we feel about the choices we're making. For example, you want such massive career and business success that you earn heaps of cash, but a part of you feels a bit money-grabbing. Or you want your business to be so incredibly successful that you are traveling the world doing what you love, but you also want to be at home with your kids. 
So in these sorts of situations, the decision almost shapes your life. And it's probably worth putting the decision aside and dealing with thinking about your beliefs and your values first, because the decision is one small element in a much bigger picture. So it's really worth deciding what you want the picture to look like first, and then the decision kind of takes care of itself, rather than letting the decision paint the picture and then standing back to look at it and go, oh, I don't really like that. I made the wrong decision. You'll also find that as you start advancing down a particular track, if it goes against some kind of fundamental fiber of who you are, some core value you have that you haven't consciously identified, then the likelihood is you'll find it quite difficult to stick with the actions that are required. We touched on this a little bit in the belief series. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those or you want to re-listen to them, the links are in the show notes page. But the basic thing is you can't advance and retreat simultaneously. So when you're moving towards achieving a goal as a result of a particular decision you've taken, it requires actions. We'd say that's advancing. But if something's holding you back, some kind of fundamental part that says, actually, this isn't what I want, it'll mean you're constantly pulling against yourself. And that'll probably create an outcome that isn't the one you wanted. Then you're at risk of thinking you've made the wrong choice. But once again, it's more about the actions that you've taken. We'll talk about this a little bit more next week when we talk about what happens to your decisions and the actions that follow them if they're primed by fear. Something else that's worth thinking about is the fact that even the right choice will bring with it its own problems. For many of us, we think if we make the right choice, it'll be smooth sailing, and that's rarely the case. So if you think about the fact that every success, every good decision, every step up, every progression will mean that the problems you experience will change. They won't disappear, they'll simply change. Assuming you make this choice and it goes exactly the way you hope, what are some of the problems that would go with that? Once you map those out, again, you're back to yes, if thinking, I can do this if. And once again, it becomes about the actions you take. So it's not about saying the downsides are so big, I can't do it. It's about saying the downsides are so big, I have to prepare really well. One of the difficulties, of course, is often we don't actually know what we have to prepare for because we're going into completely new territory and it's only going to unfold as we get there. Challenges that arise after you've made the decision are actually some of the toughest to deal with, particularly because they make you reevaluate the information that was available to you at the start when you first made the decision. This is called the hindsight bias. So Daniel Kahneman talks about this in his book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Again, there's a link in the show notes page to that book. And in it, he talks about the fact that we can't unknow what we know once we know it. So we then reevaluate the information that was available to us at the time of making the decision and look at it through a different perspective, going, oh my God, it was so obvious. Why did I go this way when I should have known that this was going to happen or that was going to happen? It was so obvious. But it wasn't. If it was obvious, you'd have made the other choice. You'll see the hindsight bias at play quite regularly in the media when evaluating decisions made by people like social workers or politicians. When they've made a judgment call and then something's gone wrong. And then we reevaluate the information that was available to them at the time and we go, how did you miss that? It was blatantly obvious. But the thing is, at the time it wasn't. The hindsight bias makes us reshape information because now we can clearly see the consequences of the choice and evaluate the choice based on the consequences. So where the hindsight bias is at play, we don't evaluate the decision-making process, we evaluate the consequences of the decision. But that was never anything that we could have known at the time of making the decision. Now, the hindsight bias is so strong that even when you make people aware of it, they still struggle to ignore information 
and make a choice as if they didn't know it. They struggle to find their way back to a belief they held prior to knowing the information they have because that belief is no longer true for them. Knowing about the hindsight bias has really helped me because hindsight is something I've often struggled with where I've berated myself over and over again. I should have known this. I should have done that. But when you can free yourself from that and look at the process you undertook to say, did I follow a sound decision-making process at the time? Yes. Okay. Now I have new information. What am I going to do with it? And I'm faced with a new choice. Treat it as a new choice, follow a good process again, and make the next decision. Which brings me to the final point for this particular podcast. Very often we agonize over our big decisions because they are so big. And what we fail to recognize, we fail to see, is all the tiny decisions we take leading up to it and all the tiny decisions we'll take following on from it. This is something Rob Moore talks about in his book, Start Now, Get Perfect Later. He talks about the fact that no big decision is ever one big decision. It's a series of tiny decisions. And I agree with that. I think we miss them so often, not just because they're tiny decisions, but very often because they're happening subconsciously and they're happening based on beliefs that we hold. And there we are, full circle again. So if you're agonizing about big decisions, here are the key points to take away. Number one, you can likely make any decision work as long as you take the right actions. Now, for a later podcast, we do need to explore the fact that not everything is in your control. So it's important also to recognize that you can take exactly the right choice and things can go wrong that have nothing to do with any of the actions you've taken. Some things are within your control and some things are outside. Either way, point number two, things are going to come to light after you've made the decision. And they're going to make parts of the information that were available to you at the time of making the decision seem more concrete than they actually were. Don't fall into the trap of evaluating the quality of your decision based on that. If your decision-making process was sound, it remains so, even in the face of new information or changes that have happened. The third point, prepare even for the right decisions to come with a whole heap of their own problems. Running into problems doesn't mean you made the wrong choice. So it's a good idea to keep those things separate. And finally, Remember that big decisions are not big decisions. They are a series of tiny decisions culminating in one big one and then followed by a whole load of tiny ones again. If you put more weight on the tiny ones, the big ones often take care of themselves. So that's it for today. I hope you found it really useful. I hope it makes the decision-making process a little bit easier for you and frees you from that weight of good decision, bad decision. As always, if you'd like to get in touch with comments or questions, please do that via the show notes page. I love hearing from you and it really helps shape content for future podcasts. So thank you to all of you who've been in touch so far and I hope there'll be loads more of you as the weeks go on. For this week though, that's it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.